Well, today is a, a very special day for us at Hope, and uh, it, it feels a little awkward to me, I'm just going to be honest. Uh, so years ago, and I don't know how many it was, what year did you move here? 2013. So somewhere in about 2012, you called me, right? So let me introduce you to somebody, because I realize that it makes it feel weird that a lot of you don't know this couple. Because as sure as we have a foundation that this church is built on, they are part of that foundation. And, and it all began, this is, this is the most unique way I've ever had anyone join a church that I've ever been a part of. That I got a call randomly, this guy in Texas, and all he says is, will you talk with me? And I'm like, what? And he says, I've been watching you, I mean, listening to you in the podcast. We weren't streaming at the time. And I think, is he stalking me? What's he doing here? And then he says, I'm not a stalker. I'm like, okay, we're good. <laughs> And come to find out, he was a minister of the gospel, a missionary, that he and his family were in, in a season of life where God had just taken them out of the point where they wanted to be and had them in a place where God was preparing them for what he was going to do in their lives. And that, that meant a trip all the way out from Texas to Charlotte, North Carolina, which is, by the way, how Denise and I got here years ago. And Scott and Kathy Miller and their beautiful family came to be part of High Alley, came to be part of the Hope Church. And uh, I'm just going to be honest. I wrestled with God over this. He came to me and said, Mike, God's calling us back to missions. We're ready to go. And I'm like, really? Do you have to? I, I know we want to raise up missionaries, but I'm jealous. I'm jealous when God has people here that, that are foundational. And this morning, it is a privilege to welcome back Scott and Kathy Miller and to just um, open our hearts to them. God has a calling and a mission and a work in their lives that I want to challenge you with. And I don't know for many of y'all, y'all don't know them, so they're going to tell their story. But I want you to know this, guys. They are the heartbeat of hope. And I'm so blessed by you, Scott. Come on, won't you come and just share your heart with us. Share what God's doing. I got my requisite hug from Kathy when she walked in the door, so I'm good. And uh, we are ready to go. God bless you, man. Guten Morgen. Ich heiße Scott Miller. It's good to be home. The old song, everybody wants to go where everybody knows their name, right? And they're always glad you came. Sunday after Sunday, we're strangers everywhere we go. This is by far the hardest because I want you to think I did a good job. <laughs> everywhere else, I'm like, eh. Whatever. <laughs> As Mike was saying, we came in 2013. I was previously in a deep, dark funk. I had a calling on my life, and I couldn't address that calling. I was in a situation where I couldn't change things, but yet in these deep, dark moments often are the most formative areas where God does exponential growth. What we see on the exterior as leafless, fruitless winter, God uses to do some things that are internal and below the surface, which prepare for amazing fruit bearing. Thank you so much for taking strays. <laughs> Time and again, this man has received people in who are just wandering and lost. And time and again, they are restored, brought back, sent out. And this is a calling that God has given to your life. And I'm grateful for you. <laughs> grateful. And you're not off the hook either. 
As I look around the room at the familiar faces, so many memories flood back. I am grateful for your investment in our lives and our opportunity to serve Jesus by ministering to you, by serving together in something that's bigger than ourselves, being a part of hope, real hope for real people. It's an amazing thing. Thank you to those that knew we were going into missions and backed us from the beginning. Thank you for launching us. Thank you for giving of your contributions to see that we launch and to hang in there during the duration of this long process of itineration. Thank you so much. It has been a blessing to know that you're pulling for us and that you're behind us. God bless you all. But we're in seasons. We're in the transition of season now where we see that the leaves are changing from green to colors that are beautiful and magnificent. And this is the way life is. Life is a series of seasons and we connect with God and we are responsible to embrace the season and to make the most of it. God always has a purpose and a plan for our lives if we will so align with his then great things happen. We have seasons and opportunities to serve. One of the most amazing things that I have seen is this truck that can come along and scoop up a full-grown tree, lift it from the ground, drive it off to another part, and then spike it into the ground. And that tree is intended to thrive in its new location. It is intended to be fruitful. It is intended to be of the benefit of others in that area. It's not self-serving. This is an amazing thing. How can God take something that's mature and transplant it? All of us are establishing ourselves in one place or another, and at times we're in a location long enough where we can't imagine being useful anywhere else. But God... God calls us back into missions. He does that amazingly, and we're ready to go. I was content here. Here at Hope, I didn't feel that itch, that drawing, but then I went to co-officiate a wedding for a friend in the past who is in Germany, and that's when God dropped Germany into our heart, and then I had to process that and how to move forward. That itch came back. God's direction was there. His calling was clear. As we sold our house last year out in Concord, we're packing everything up, boxing it all, trying to downsize, getting rid of things, becoming detached with material objects because they become an encumbrance as we try to move. Here's a plan. Anytime you move, lose things. Don't take it all. It's junk, okay? But as we pack everything up, we get down to one last area. It's, a, it's in the kitchen. It's that last place to pack. It's a drawer. It's a junk drawer. <laughs> Think about it. Do you not have a place in your house, maybe in your kitchen, where all this stuff accumulates? We do. Every house we live in, we got a junk drawer. It's like we designate it. That's the one. 
and we start by putting the junk in that we just brought from some other house into that drawer. But why don't we throw it away? Because as we look in that junk drawer, we see all kinds of mismatched odds and ends that don't seem to fit with each other, but yet they have value. And we don't discard them. As I dug through our junk drawer and I'm putting these things in a box and I don't know where it's going to go at the new place, there's something in there that I find and it is a puzzle piece. And I look at this puzzle piece and I wonder, where does it belong? What does it go to? Can I throw it away? No. Because it completes some other bigger picture. I can't throw it away. It has value. And without it in that place, that big picture can't be fully seen. We often are like that puzzle piece. Somehow we find ourselves in a junk drawer of life, but we're not discarded. We look at ourselves and we're not sure where we fit or how we fit or if we fit. We try to look at our life and and see, is there a reason for it? At different times in, in life, God snaps our attention, whether that's seeing somebody be born or somebody die, being captivated by beauty, things unexplainable in a song that touch us deeply. God quickens our hearts and we're drawn to him. Like that puzzle piece, we're trying to figure out things. We enter this world, all of us, the same way. Now, we have lived all around the world. We've been to 20-something countries, lived in, in three others, going to our fourth, not including America. And what we find is that people around the world are the same. Everybody has the same things processing through their minds, their hearts. Every evening, the same question comes. What's for dinner? Right? It doesn't matter if you're in India, the Philippines, Africa, where? Europe. What's for dinner? People are the same. But we also have this same need to find purpose and meaning in our life. We want to know it. Everything from society tells us that there is no meaning, there is no purpose, there is no God. And unless you assume a God, the question of meaning is purposeless. God must exist for us to feel like we have a fit as a puzzle piece connecting to some bigger picture. Without God, there is no big picture. Innately, we all know that because we are all created by God. Every one of us, whether we believe in him or not, are his creation. And God sets eternity into the hearts of men and women. And as we grow up and as we try to look at the context to which we were born in, we look at that and we try to assess our value, our fit, our place. Sometimes we look at the situation of our origin and we wonder, is there really a God? Or did he get this wrong? We look at our family dynamics or the pain or abuse that happened. Could God have had a hand in putting us in a certain family, in a certain context, in a certain country and culture and time frame? 
But God had us a plan. Even through those dark things that we enter into, those things that are harsh and hard, making us who we are so that later we can minister with the same that we have received. God is good. We look at the context of our lives and we wonder where they're headed. Is there purpose? Is there meaning? Where do we fit? And then somehow we encounter Jesus. Imagine this. 2,000 years ago, it was a whole lot easier to encounter Jesus. But today, we connect with a God who we do not experience with our five senses, typically. I can't say is that I've heard God, but I've heard God. I can't say is I've seen God, but I have seen God. You have similar experiences. It's amazing what God can do. We connect with this invisible God, and yet he speaks to us. And when we encounter this Jesus, it's usually through somebody else. It's through his word, yes, of course, but it is the spoken word through another servant who testifies to what their eyes have seen and their hands have touched. And that captivates our hearts, and it's magnetic. And this Jesus is absolutely magnetic. It's an amazing thing that you can take a magnet and that magnet can pick up a steel nail and then that dangling steel nail can pick up yet another steel nail and one after another, the magnetism moves through a series of nails until you're holding a whole batch. This is how God is. If we remain in the vine, if we remain connected to this Jesus, he's magnetic through us. And our interactions with other people have a purpose if we yield to that. But when we encounter this Jesus, he doesn't leave us where we are. He encounters us in various places, and sometimes it's amazing. This Jesus will sometimes come to us when we're at a well, drawing water in the heat of the day. And he initiates in our life and he questions us and those questions come. He's the initiator and he doesn't do so to bring shame, but he pokes and he prods just a little bit so that he can lead us where he wants us to be. He's a good God. This Jesus calls us to three things. Instrumental in our lives, the first thing is that he calls us to repent to turn from serving self to pursuing him and becoming selfless. You see, we're kind of like a magnet that has reverse polarity. As we serve ourselves, we push away against Christ and we're pulled to opposite parts because of that. Align yourself with God. That is what repent means. Jesus calls us to take the empty ways of our life that have led us to the point where we needed a Savior, recognizing that the things that we've done and how we've lived haven't gotten us to, to the things that we're pursuing. Is that life, liberty, and happiness? I don't know. That may be godly, maybe not. But we're pursuing them. 
And this Jesus calls us to turn from serving self, to repent, to turn around, to align ourselves with God. Quite a while ago, Jeremiah was told by God to go down to the potter's house. There at the potter's house, he was to see something and come to an understanding based on what he saw the potter, potter doing, working at his wheel. And what Jeremiah saw was a potter taking clay, slapping it down at random on the wheel, and this clay running and turning in an elliptical orbit, centered on itself. As it was centered on itself, it could be nothing other than that clay. It really had no purpose. It had no meaning. It existed. It was there. It was spinning. But it wasn't useful. But only as the potter pushes against the clay ever so gently does it center itself in the wheel. Once that clay becomes centered in the wheel, then it can be made into something useful, something noble. The potter pushes with external pressures of circumstance. And sometimes he deeps, deep dives within the middle and has some internal pushing and pressure. And if there are chunky areas or hardened areas, it, they have to be plucked out. But he will form it into something that he has seen in his mind's eye before he even started with that clay. And what if it folds in on itself? Well, it can be remade. Sometimes life happens like that. The older we get, the, we, the more we recognize that the plan we had for our life didn't come to fruition, but God leads us in lines that are not straight. After the call of Jesus to repent, the next words out of his mouth are hugely important. Follow me. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. It amazes me to think that these men that we read about in Scripture, the 12, heard him call, follow me, and they dropped everything and went. As we look into the Scriptures deeper, we find that Peter was a man with responsibility. At one point, Jesus is at, his mother-in-law's house, and she's sick, and he heals her. Peter was married. Did you know that? Did he have kids? I don't know. Could have. Had a mother-in-law. These other guys, they had responsibilities. John was supposed to take over the family business. God calls us, and it is absolutely dynamic if we will repent and let go of the things of the past, if we will align ourselves with Christ, if we will follow him. But there's a cost to that. Mark 8, 35. Jesus is speaking and he's alluding to his death. He says, For whoever will come after me must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever loses their life for my sake will gain it to eternal life. Whoever, whoever lose, let me get it right. 
For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me in the gospel will save it. We find that as we try to build a life apart from Christ, it is meaningless, it's purposeless, it doesn't have eternal value. And when you do anything that doesn't last for eternity, it's futile. Follow me. It means come after. Come after, learn, imitate, become like. You see, we are called to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. God's call, his plan is not to take us as individuals and make something amazing out of us. We find our purpose and value in this life by becoming less and proclaiming him more. When we are called to share this gospel of the kingdom, we are called to share a person, not a commodity of forgiveness. We are called to share Jesus because it is only Jesus that can save us. It is only Jesus that can make us whole. It's only Jesus that can give us a way to live. Hope beyond purpose. God leads us in these ways. Jesus says of himself, he says this in John 12, 32, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He's magnetic. And when we encounter him, we are changed, but we're changed for a reason. His call is clear. He calls to us as he encounters us, repent, follow me. But then he comes to the next part, and that's go. We are not to serve self because we'll lose everything if we do. But if we lose everything to serve him and others, then we gain it all. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he has already been crucified for our sins. And he's the sacrifice of atonement, not only for ours, but for the whole world. He's raised to life. And because we see him raised to life, we believe that we too shall rise. And then he gives this instruction, departing words that seem to be so important. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Sounds Trinitarian. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. How do we teach them? Show them. Show them obedience in action. Then they'll know. And he says, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I have been moved by this Jesus. For Kathy and I, our encounter with Jesus was down in Biloxi, Mississippi. We, were, we came to Christ there. We gave our hearts. I heard God call to me and lead me into service. I went to Bible college. Again, he calls and de- defines that to missions. And I pursue that with abandon. 
God took us to Africa. He took us to Asia. We were down in Biloxi, Mississippi, serving in the, in the military at the time, and he had called somebody from Oklahoma to reach out to us, and we're grateful. The church that we got saved in doesn't exist anymore, but we do. We're the byproduct of obedience. We have encountered God through the Holy Spirit. Something amazing transformed in me. A guy who was a high school dropout, got a GED, went into the military. And then this kid who hated to read has this encounter with God that's life-changing and suddenly I love to read. And I become transformed as not only I read and I'm hungry for it, but I start applying it to my life. And then amazing things happen. I mean, I can't even believe sometimes the things that God has done through us and the places that he's taken us. And Charlotte was one of those crucial, pivotal places. And I'm grateful. We've been empowered, just as God's empowering you and wants to empower you and to continually empower you so that you can serve God here like I said, we're, we're called to something greater than ourselves. That is our calling, is to be on mission with Christ because his mission was, one, to be the sacrifice of atonement, but two, to take this good news about him to the planet and not just geographical boundaries, but to generations. As we see one area reached, another generation in the same area is lost. Time and again, we have to keep covering the same places over and over again for his purposes to prevail. What is your mission? God has called you to Charlotte to hope for such a time as this. You are to be instrumental into the lives of the people that are around you on a daily basis and the people that you happenstance encounter at any given moment. You are to be Jesus for them, to help them to realize and to connect with a God that is fundamentally invisible to them. You are the ones that are to reach out to them and be Jesus for them, to let him flow through you, speak through you. You are to be Jesus as you initiate with them, even those that are dodging other people by going to a well in the heat of the day. You are to reach out. We stand here as ones that are called to a place to be obedient there, but that, we were called here prior to there, and God has called you here for such a time as this and needs you. First of all, if you're not right with Jesus, gosh, Get right. Because life stinks when it's not right. When you're having problems relationally, when you're doing self-destructive things and you find the pain, stop hitting yourself in the head with a hammer. Get your life right with God. Every one of us need to move one step closer to him today. Now's the time to decide. But if you are aligning yourself with God, if your intent is to be right with him, 
accepting and trusting in Jesus to be your Savior, but also your Lord, then you will hear him calling, follow me. If you respond to that, you will be ushered into experiences that are utterly amazing. Encounters with people where you get to be a change agent. And then you find your fit as that puzzle piece that couldn't see the box top to know the big picture. But as you are instrumental in leading others to life, you find life for yourself. What is your mission? Many of you have been transplanted like that mature tree and plunked down into this area, but you are to bloom where you're planted. And whether this is just a season that you may depart from and go to another season, you're here now and you're accountable now to this same God who wants you to bloom here right at this moment. Be fruitful. Remain plugged into the vine. Our mission in Germany is to reach Germans, but now God has also expanded that to where we're going to take over a church in Stuttgart that's ministering to military. There are military members there, 200,000 DOD personnel, Department of Defense personnel in Germany. There are four bases in Stuttgart, and we have one church there. The options for English-speaking churches is very minimal. And my gosh, Germany really doesn't have actively active churches even in German. There's steeples, but it's empty buildings. We had to wrap our mind around what God was calling us to do. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord who directs his steps, right? Have this burden and passion for the lost. God's called us to Germany. That means Germans. Germans are lost. Only 2.1% of them pursue a relationship with Jesus. A lot of need, right? But then we're directed to military ministry. And I'm thinking, gosh, this is an aside. Why would you do this, God? But we recognize that even there, people need Jesus. In our country... We have about 29% of this U.S. population that are pursuing a relationship with Jesus. Imagine that. So the same percentages would play out with the American population and the German population's 2.1%. But it's not just soldiers that are there in Germany. There are families spouses, children. The soldier gets deployed and are gone. The family gets weird and isolated and alone. They can't talk about where the soldier went. They can't talk about why. And they really are not in their own culture. And I got to tell you, as far as kids go, this is a crucial, pivotal time. Some of them are Teenagers. Some of them are trying to decide where they go for the rest of their life. And they're making decisions based on what they think about Jesus or they don't even think about him because it, there's no opportunity. For Kathy and I, one of the biggest burdens on our heart all these years 
was making these decisions where we take our children to a new location and what effect does that have on them, right? We heard long ago that if we are obedient to Christ and where we're supposed to be, then our children will be where they are supposed to be. But when people serve in the military and they're sent to a place, they have these same fears and concerns about what happens to their children. Does their decision to serve the country undermine their family's stability? And God has called us to minister to people like this, mainly special forces, families, and they need us. But God has planted in our heart to to start a German congregation from the facility that we will inherit. It's a stable 10-year-old church, and it's doing good. And I'm grateful that they looked to us, saw what we didn't see, which was the obvious, our connection to the military, our understanding of church, that all fit together at the right moment. Here's where we're at. And I'm going to close. You've been good to us. You've been backing us and supporting us, and we have had a substantial amount of our funding come from this church alone and from the people herein. We're close to the finish. We're about 98% funded. We have $149 a month left to raise. We have $27,000 in cash for our one-time expenses to raise. And then we're done. Our hope is to leave by the middle of December before Allie's birthday and get there. Thank you for sending us. Those that haven't been a part of us, who don't even know us, go out to our table after service. Find on the left and the right our prayer cards and on the back side of that's information on how to know more and how to give. And we'd love for you to be a part of what we're doing. And I want to say again and again, thank you. We're grateful.